Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for August 29th is Ezekiel chapters 9 through 12. Another vision of the destruction that is coming to the lives of the people remaining in Jerusalem. It is so hard listening to these acts of destruction of life even though the people have literally asked for it God is saying no more no more we are going to deal with your sin once and for all but there's this interesting verse verse three and four it says that the glory of the god of israel rose from above the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple and he called to the man clothed in linen and carrying a writing equipment pass through the city of jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the detestable practices committed in it And as I read this and I meditate on it, my heart begins to cry, Mark me, O God, mark me. It makes me wonder, am I marked? Are you marked? If God was to send an angel or a cherub or his spirit or a messenger or someone to my city, looking for the people who were grieved by the sin of that city, would I make the cut? Would I be marked? This is not the first time or the last time that a mark on the head or the forehead is mentioned in Scripture. The first time is all the way back in Genesis chapter 4, when Cain is pronounced guilty for his brother's death. And he says, my sin or my punishment is too great for me. God, whoever sees me is going to kill me. God says, I will mark you so that wherever you go throughout your wanderings, no one will take your life. And then at the end, in Revelation 14, those who are marked, those who worship the beast, and obey the beast will be marked on their forehead or on their arm and they will be destroyed so there's different markings it's not a physical mark it's not a computer chip it's a way of thinking friends it's a way of thinking it's do you agree with the world system and the way that the sin is carried out in this world or are you looking at things from a heavenly perspective have you been given the mind of christ and i pray god mark us May we be people who groan over the detestable practices committed in our towns. Mark us, O God. The only ones spared in Jerusalem during that time were those who groaned because of the 
wickedness of their culture. Let us not be a people who look the other way. In chapter 10, we see the glory of God depart from the temple. It's like, that's it. I don't even want to be here anymore because of the sin, the idol worship that's taking place in this place that is supposed to be such a holy place. This place that was created specifically to house the glory of God has become full of idol worship. And God says, I will not compete for your affections. You're supposed to be my people. This is supposed to be my house. I'll just leave. Of course, now in this new covenant that we are in, we are the living stones that make up the temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Oh God, do not leave us as you left that temple. We are certainly not a righteous people, are we? God cleanse us from all unwickedness, all this wickedness, all this unrighteousness. Cleanse us, Father. Mark us as men who groan because of the sin and the wickedness and the unrighteousness. Mark us, O God, and do not depart from us, Father. Please. We see this description of the cherubim, the cherubs, the keruvs. This word maybe comes from the Akkadian. We don't really know what it means, but it seems to have some sort of a connotation of somebody who is blessed or a creature who is praying, perhaps, depending on the translation. It's not an angel, and it's certainly not a chubby little child with wings. There's a little bit of a variance between the description here in Ezekiel 10 and what Ezekiel saw in chapter 1. And it shows us, again, that these are not physical, literal descriptions. These are ideas and pictures from his mind inspired by the Holy Spirit that are to give us an understanding. In chapter 1, they had four faces, human, ox, lion, and eagle. In chapter 10, they have four faces, cherub, human, lion, and eagle. The variance there is from the ox in chapter 1. That face of the ox, one of the four faces in chapter 1, is replaced in chapter 10 with the face of a cherub. So it makes me wonder if a cherub, this blessed one, this heavenly dwelling supernatural creature that goes everywhere the spirit of God goes is some sort of a servant like an ox would be an incredibly powerful beast that does its job without complaining without emotion that works regardless of how high the snow is or how hot the sun is. 
this very low maintenance, hard working creature that is able to do much more than 10 men could do, but also has the face of a man, which means the ability to reason, to use rationality, to consider the options of good and bad. It's not just a trained livestock farm animal that's following orders. It also has the ability to think like a human, to reason, to consider right versus wrong, to weigh the consequences before acting. It also has the face of a lion, which is a fierce hunter, the king of the jungle. as well as the face of an eagle, which rises up to the sky and looks down and sees with pinpoint accuracy, sees the battle lines being drawn, sees the entire map, almost like God's eye view, sees the whole picture, doesn't get focused on the little details of what's right in front of them. Chapter 11, Ezekiel has this vision of the leaders and he confronts them and says, why do you guys have this saying that goes, the city is the pot and we are the meat. Like the oyster is the world and we are the pearl. Like we're the stuff that matters and we're going to just build houses. Ezekiel says, no, by the power of God, by the spirit of God speaking through him, no, you are not the meat. The world is not your oyster. And why do you guys have this saying that says another vision that didn't take place, like another word from God and nothing happened? God says, I'm showing you course we know from the new testament perspective peter writes god is not slack concerning his promises but he's patient he's not wanting any to perish he's giving us every opportunity to repent god says you keep you keep this this saying that says that I don't keep my word, but I do keep my word and I'll show you that I'm going to keep my word. A day is coming where I will never again delay. And while Jeremiah was prophesying, one of those men dropped dead right in front of him. I too have seen people taken out by God, people who are opposed Even in the New Testament, we're told that God struck people dead, who deceived, who took communion with unworthiness, who didn't really consider what they were doing. They were taking the authority of God's name upon them in the name of Jesus Christ upon them. And they were saying, we want to take part in this sacrifice. And yet they weren't washing themselves of their sin. They were continuing to sin. And God said, that's not okay. 
it's not okay. You're inviting judgment on yourself. And that's why there are warnings. My friends, don't fall into this lie that says that God in the New Testament is different somehow from God in the Old Testament. Yes, we are in a season of grace. And even now, God still kills people when they sin, when they stand against him. And that's why we cry out, God, mark us. Make us sensitive to the things that are close to your heart, Father. God says in verse in chapter 12, I will put a stop to these proverbs, these people who think I'm never going to act, I'm going to put a stop to it. And so all the more we say, God, mark us. Father, mark us. Make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit, to the things that grieve your spirit, God. Let us be grieved as well. Mark us with your heart. May God bless you as you seek him, friends. And we'll see you tomorrow.